Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Welcome to Spotlight. I am Allison H. Larson, and today's show is actually a continuation of a show that we started a while ago. We got such great feedback from it, and so many people asking us to continue the conversation that we are doing just that today. Uh, this is a conversation that's all about shame. Um, it's an interesting topic. I uh, am really excited to have our guest, Tony Lister, on. I'm going to have him uh, brag about himself here in just a minute. But uh, this has been a huge deal in my life, and I want to just share a background a little bit about why I feel so passionate about doing this follow-up show on shame and why shame and talking about shame is so important to me. I had an experience. I recently went to Burning Man uh, with Gerald. And uh, for those of you who don't know Gerald Rogers, he's absolutely fabulous. Um, we have been dating and and wanted to go and experience this this uh, place in Burning Man where where we could just be totally um, uninhibited. And it was such a great experience. And one of the things that they have at Burning Man were lots of different classes. And we signed up for a class on intimacy thinking that it was going to be this class where we as a couple got to uh, share with each other and got to hold each other. And I had all these thoughts in my mind about creating this intimate, you know, relationship within our within our actual relationship. But when we got to the class, the class was about opening up and being able to be intimate with other people. And in today's age, where we are more connected than ever through social media, through uh, text, through phones, through TV, through radio, through all these different modalities, we are actually the least connected with other people intimately. And it was a really interesting process that the gentleman at the class took us through where we walked around and we started by kind of looking in people's eyes and then we stood across from them and, and we he, he had this narrative going in the background where we pretended we were noticing all the things that were different and then all the things that were the same. And throughout this process, eventually we got to a process where we were sitting in circles of three and he had us think of one thing that we were ashamed of or that brought us shame. And then he had us open up and share what that was in the circle. And it was such an amazing healing process process for everybody in that circle. And it was so scary. I mean, you guys, if you could imagine, you're sitting in this circle with two other people you don't know, and you're talking about your deepest, darkest secrets, the things that you are most ashamed of. But what I found in doing that was I received so much love and support from the other people in my group. And there was this release when all of a sudden I was able to vocalize and talk about something that I was really ashamed of. And um, I decided to use the same exercise in a mastermind that Gerald and I did uh, last week in San Diego with a group of the uh, Tony Robbins Platinum members. And these people were there and they'd just gone to this big, you know, four-day Tony Robbins event and they were there at this networking event and they were so ready to connect. And as we got started with the process, suddenly to my mind came this idea, in order for these people to truly be able to connect and open up, I need to do this shame process with them. And so I took them through the same shame process that I had done in Burning Man. And there they were, circles of three, very successful people, people who had invested, you know, 100,000 plus to work, you know, with Tony Robbins and his program. And they were there working on themselves. And I had people crying. I had people, you know, their body language, shoulders slumped in such shame. And as they went through this process, 
it was amazing because the rest of the day, everybody was so connected. There were so many connections made on both the personal and professional level. And the one feedback we got after the event, when we asked, what was your favorite part? What did you like about this? Everybody said that was so powerful to be able to open up right at the beginning and get that deepest, darkest shame out there. And then it felt like there were no blocks, nothing to inhibit us. And they were able to connect in such a more meaningful manner. So it was a really powerful lesson to me that sometimes it's actually our shame that blocks us and that holds us back from gaining those personal and professional successes that we want. And um, I'm seeing some people on here that that are asking some questions. Evan says, are, are shame and regret the same? That's a great question, Evan. I'm going to have Tony address that in a moment. Um, Denise says, powerful. Uh, this is on Facebook Live for those of you listening on the radio. Evan says, hi, miss. Hey, Evan, how are you? But yeah, that's a really great question, Evan. Are shame and regret the same? So I'm actually going to have that be our, our opening question. But before we get started, I want to introduce our expert, uh, guest expert, Tony Lister, who joined us on the last show on shame. Tony, uh, as you know, I give you full permission to brag on this uh, on this show. You've worked with some really powerful people. You've done some amazing things in the world. And I would love to just provide a safe space uh, and an open space for you to totally brag about the things that you've done. It's funny, Allison. Thank you for having me on the show. Because um, I've had some business success and I've had some business failure. Um, yeah. You know, I've built a multi-million dollar company and then I sabotaged it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, you know, I've coached CEOs for the last 15 years and had some really coached some amazing people, um, anywhere from like the billionaire level down to the slums of Nairobi where we built a school. Um, but I've had this beautiful opportunity to explore my own journey of shame through my business and through my intimate relationships and then through my inner world. Like to me, this, this whole thing started about making money because yeah. I was driven by shame that I needed to make money because I wasn't enough. And then, then eventually, I, you know, I followed the rules of making money. And if you follow them long enough, you'll start making money. But then I shamed myself that I didn't deserve the money, so I sabotaged a multimillion-dollar business. And then wow. from the place of sabotage, I spent several years in a place of not pursuing my dreams and not, you know, like really letting myself go after big goals because of shame. Like shame kept me in a place of going, what the hell's wrong with me? If I know how to create all this stuff, why did I create a, a big mess? And so it's just really interesting. Like for me, this is like, sometimes shame sounds kind of like a soft topic, like touchy feely. But the work I've done is with people that, you know, men and women that are up mm-hmm. to big things in their lives. Yeah. And shame is such a companion and, it, and it's so debilitating. It, it, will, it will drive people to a certain point of success but then we can't get to that next level of satisfaction. We can get successful, but not satisfied if shame yeah. is the governing the governing piece that's in there. Well, and you, but you, it's such a powerful point. And I, I want to I want to bring it back around to this question. And thank you for bragging about yourself. I mean, we could name drop forever here. We could um, talk about the millions of dollars you've made and lost and all, all these things. And I think people get the point. You're successful. You've worked with a lot of people. You have a lot of experience, um, and including your own. And this question, so so here's here's a really good question. Are shame and regret the same thing? Because I want to bring this back to like if you if you think about you've lost, uh, you know, you lost millions of dollars, you, you made millions, you lost millions because you had this shame. Uh, 
do you have regret over losing those millions? Uh, is it shame that you felt over losing those millions? And and just to, to put it into a personal perspective and a twist in my own life, like one of the things that, you know, I was most ashamed about recently and, and you know, have moved past it now, but was my, was my own divorce. I felt a lot of shame around that because, um, you know, I had this expectation that I wanted to have this forever family. I wanted to be married forever. I wanted to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother. And I felt really a lot of shame around the fact that I failed at that. And um, and somebody asked me recently, they said, well, Allison, do you regret it? Do you regret you, you know, some of the actions you did or not working hard enough or working too hard or whatever that is to not to not make your marriage work? Do you regret some of those things? And it was a really interesting question for me uh, because my answer was no, I, I didn't. Um, I, I feel like I don't want to live in a space of regret, but yet, you know, I was still having some shame around that. So what is your take on that, Tony? Are shame and regret the same thing? And if they aren't, how are they different? Totally not. Not, not even like distant cousins, in my opinion, and this is the difference. Like, I used to have an office about three blocks from my grandpa's office, and I knew he had cancer, and he had four months to live, and, and he worked right to the end of his life. And I never stopped by and visited him once. And it is mm-hmm. one of the deepest regrets that I have. I would walk to the store, literally I could see his office where I would get lunch, and I wouldn't go say hi because I couldn't face being there and talking to him and crying. And so I have this tremendous regret that I didn't go and sit with this man and ask him every question I wish I could ask him today. Um, I have total regret that I never had a beer with my grandpa. I didn't drink beer back then. And I would, and it would have been magnificent to have had a beer. Those are regrets. Those are things I can't change, but I don't look at myself in the mirror and say, Allison, is this a swearing show or a non-swearing show? You can swear. um, it's okay. For okay. anybody listening, if you've got kids, quick. <laughs> Put on mute. This is Tony's about to swear. expression for me, but I was looking in the mirror. I used, to, I used to look in the mirror sometimes, and I would say, you're the biggest piece of shit on the planet. If mm-hmm. people really knew you, they couldn't love you. And then I'd leave my hotel room, and I would lead a huge seminar, and I'd have the most incredible breakthroughs all day and have the most amazing experience, and then I'd go back to my hotel room, and I'd look in the mirror, and I'd have my affirmation again, like, you suck. Oh, my gosh, That's Tony, I can, I can totally relate to that. And, and you're right, that is shame. I remember a couple years ago when I was really struggling with my, my self-esteem and it was going through a lot of shifts in my life. I would go to these seminars, and I would get up on stage, and I would inspire people. I would have lines of people an hour and a half long waiting to talk to me. And, um, and, and and then I would go back to my hotel room and I would feel like I was absolutely worthless. I remember one morning uh, before doing my TV show, I'd driven to California and I was in a, my hotel room and I woke up in the morning and I felt so worthless um, that I just started crying and I felt like um, there was nothing that I could do right. And I remember having to make this choice like, crap, I've got to start stop crying and get out, get out of bed if I'm going to go do the TV show. And, and I remember thinking, <laughs> okay, just, you know, buck up, Allison, just do it. And I remember distinctly putting on this like mask or this almost false face and putting on this big smile and getting all dolled up with my makeup and my dress and going and doing the TV show and then getting in the car at the end of the day and just breaking down in tears again, you know, 
feeling totally shameful. And, and I remember after that TV show aired, I had so many people reach out to me saying, wow, that was the most inspirational TV show in the world. And, and that almost caused me more shame feeling like, oh, I'm being inauthentic. <laughs> so I can totally identify and relate to what you're saying. But, but again, just the definition of shame is when you how, how would you define that in a couple of sentences? Yeah, I would define shame as an I am statement. I am not worthy, or I am unworthy, I am unlovable, I am um, wrong, I am dark, I am broken. Whereas regret is, I would do that differently. I, you know, like I, I, when, when I was flipping houses and flipped 148 houses, I didn't keep any of them as rentals. And now I look back a decade later and I go, wow, those would be paid off by now. Why didn't I keep 15 or 20 of those along the way? Okay. Because well, I wanted those $20,000 checks, right? So that's a regret. Yeah. But I could shame myself for it and go, what the hell's wrong with me? Why oh, am I such a loser? So Why was I so yeah. short-sighted in my 20s and just take the cash instead of, you know, instead of the, the long play? Right? I could shame myself or I could regret it. But I think the distinction for me is one of them becomes this internalized I am mm-hmm. statement mm-hmm. that says, I'm, I'm a loser, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm not lovable, I'm, I'm unattractive, I'm, right? there's, some, there's an I am component to it. And the other is, is more contemplative of going, you know, I would have done that differently. I would have spoken differently to that person. I, would have, I wouldn't have yelled at my mm-hmm. kid the same way that I just yelled at my kid, or I wouldn't have yelled at my partner. I wouldn't have you know, had sex with that person. But, like yeah. there's a contemplative component to it versus, you know, like for me, when, you know, I grew up in a, in, a, in a really strict religious home, and, and virtually everything was shamed. And so I had you know, some early sexual experiences. Rather than looking at those and going, you know, as a human being, that was kind of a disconnected, unsatisfying experience that left me feeling yucky inside. That would have been like the healthy way to look at it and go, yeah, that didn't really connect with me. That didn't serve me. I don't feel closer to that other person. I don't feel closer to myself. That doesn't feel good. That's a healthy way to look at it. But the way I looked at it was, oh, I'm, I'm evil, I'm a sinner, I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I want to talk a- yeah, I want to I address a couple of things before you go on. First of all, you know, uh, Evan, who asked the question about shame versus regret, he says, you know, he's beginning to understand now, and he says shame is more judgment-based than regret is maybe. And I, I definitely think that that's accurate based on what you're saying um, and feeling less than. But here was my big aha as you were talking, Tony. Oftentimes we hear this saying, live with no regrets. You know, don't ever look back. You know, just live your life, move forward. And I think really the purpose of that is is don't live with shame and Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's more accurate because you're right there are things that I look back on my life and I'd be like gosh if I would could do that over again I'd probably do that different or but don't shame yourself about it because there's nothing you can do about it you learn and you move on and it's okay to have regrets I think because then we learn from them and we we don't do it again versus shame which is something that is beating ourselves up over something in the past which we have no control over changing and we can't change so don't take that on as part of who you are so that was a huge aha for me and and I think I'm going to change that saying with live with no regrets too I'm, I'm going to change it to my personal motto is live with no shame you know um, yeah. and so I wonder if that's that. like a positive spin on that so it's not even mm-hmm. focused on shame it's like it's like embrace every experience or something yeah. you know 
Because even focusing on the shame becomes a, an element of shame. But here's yeah, the, here's that's the, true. Here's I'm ashamed. I'm about. focusing on shame. Dang it. Why am yeah. I so horrible about that? Can't believe it. No, shame on me. No, no. no totally get it. Yeah. Shame on you, Austin. Uh-huh. So this is what's interesting. And, and again, like, like uh, I, I grew up in a family that was very, very versed in shame, all kinds of, of, of type of shaming. And shame becomes this time bomb. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in the moment of the shame, you can, you can get someone to do something. If you, you know, if you manipulate them through shame, you can get them to do whatever the activity is. And maybe they'll even do yeah. the, you know, the right in the moment of the shame. But the problem is it plants this time bomb because it says, mm-hmm. instead of that person going, I did the right thing and it was the right thing, they go, I'm a piece of crap, but I did the right thing, but I'm still a piece of crap. Yeah, yeah, so, or like you, so then, yeah, okay, keep going, keep going. It I'm comes out later. It comes out later. And so, so even if, like, shame leads to success, it, if it's not uprooted and rewritten, and it can be, but if it's not uprooted and rewritten, it will eventually lead to sabotage. Mm-hmm. I had, I had a, a, a conversation with a, a business owner yesterday that I worked with. I do a lot of coaching of business owners, and, and this kind of stuff comes up along with the business strategy. And, and this person was in this pattern of sabotage. Yeah. And he was just like really stuck in the energy of sabotage and, and, and shaming himself for it. And, and so the, the, the trick, the problem is shame in our business leads to sabotage. Shame in our relationships leads to a disconnect. Oh, totally. And shame I, I want to I w- I get, sorry, say, say the last thing you're going to get and then we need well, to go to in commercial. Our body. Like there's these, yeah. there's these three elements. Like, like, like for me, it was, it was about making money first, right? I needed mm-hmm. to make money to get over the shame. And then when I had a bunch of money, I was empty inside. So then it was about love. And, but, the, mm-hmm. but the shame kept me from actually allowing myself to be witnessed. Because yeah. I thought if you really saw me, if you really saw all the complexities of me, if you saw my sexuality, if you saw my, my anger, if you saw my insecurities, then you couldn't love me. Therefore, I didn't show it. Therefore, I never had intimacy yeah. or connection. And yes, then so it true. eventually became about the inner world. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I want to continue this. I want to continue this discussion uh, when we come back from break. Of course, those of you on Facebook Live uh, don't go anywhere because you get to be with us on break. But when we come back, Tony, I'd like to discuss more about the shame in relationships because I, I'm yeah. a firm believer that if if we can't have relationships without shame, that uh, you know our life is going to going to uh, be less on all levels. So when we come back, more with Tony, we're going to be talking about shame in relationships. Don't go anywhere. I'm Allison, and you're listening to Spotlight. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Are you ready to be fabulous? You know, science has proven that women thrive in a tribe together. 
And now we invite you to join two fierce females, otherwise known as Sheila and Sarah, as they help you take the journey from flat to fabulous. It's fun, terrific stories and wise insight every week. Take better control of your life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time for Life from Flat to Fabulous on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Create happiness now. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. Today's topic is about shame. We're talking openly about shame. I've got a guest, Tony Lister, joining us. Uh, Tony is back by popular demand. We did a show on shame a few weeks ago and uh, had such a great response from that show that Tony's back. And um, Tony, I I want to get right into this thing on shame and relationships and and. I'm a firm believer that you can learn by counsel or by consequence and that learning by counsel is so much better. So um, hopefully someone else on this radio show is will, will take value out of this. I'm sure you will. But one of the things that I've been just personally been struggling with um, regarding shame in my relationships is, you know, I grew up just really being driven by guilt and shame. Those were my my primary driving factors. And boy, with my personality, you know, I can pretty much be guilted or shamed into doing almost anything because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to offend people. I want to be the best I can. I want to be this perfect individual. And I've come so far from stepping out of that shame. But one of the things that I've recently been noticing in my life is I'm in this incredible relationship. And um, and there's been a disconnect for the past uh, couple of weeks. And we've been having open discussions about it. But I had this huge aha this morning. And, um, and, and, and it was this, as I was texting him this morning, just good morning, I love you just the way you are. Um, you know, don't change anything. Or I, I, I forget exactly what I said. I look on my phone, but I'm on Facebook Live now. But what I realized is right after I texted that, I started meditating and I realized that it's not him I need to be telling that. It's me I need to be telling that. Allison, I love you just the way you are completely. And when I started saying that over and over and over to myself, all of a sudden, I started feeling more connected. I started coming from this place of confidence and this place of connection rather from than this place of shame. And what I realized is over the past couple of weeks in this relationship, I've been stepping into a place of uncertainty and almost even shame and guilt about um, not showing up in a certain way or not being able to fulfill certain roles or not, you know, and it's a total reaction rather than an action. And, um, and I realized that 
as we're talking today, that that shame is really what's affecting or causing that disconnect, um, you know, in that relationship. So love to hear your thoughts on shame and how they affect relationships and how you can um, can step out of a place of shame and into a place of, of confidence and love. So the, the interesting thing about our intimate relationships, and, and I don't know if this is just human nature in terms of vulnerability or if it's because of all the Disney movies we've watched, <laughs> but we get this idea that our partner is going to, is going to check all the boxes in us. Mm. Right. So we, we if we can find the one person, number one, they're going to check all of those boxes that make us feel endorphins and make us feel chemical high and make us feel love and all those things. And number two, they're going to be able to navigate our triggers without ever setting any of them off. <laughs> like, this is the, like completely ridiculous yeah. idea or expectation. And, and if you've ever like been like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with being triggered in this relationship and then moving and, and trying a new relationship um, and then experiencing that that person found your triggers also. It's really devastating. Like, it's so hard. I, I kind of laugh about it, but it hurts so deeply uh, that I have to laugh about it. Otherwise, I would cry. Um, but what happens is we have this expectation in our intimate relationships that's really high of hey, you're going to make me feel this way. And, and then if we don't make it, they don't make us feel that way or we don't make them feel that way, then, then this is where the shame sets in. And so shame is this, this story that says where I am or who I am is not okay. Hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's, it's determining So So hold on, let's, let's, let's say that one more time because that was really impactful. Shame is a story that says who I am or where I am is not okay. And I'm just going to let that soak in for a moment because I think that's where I've spent most of my life thinking, wow, who I am is not okay or where I am is not okay. I'm always striving to be better. I'm always striving to be more perfect. I'm always striving to be more for everybody else. And what that, what that, the default setting that's in my mind is because I'm not there yet, because I'm not where I want to be, because I'm not perfect, then how I am right now is not enough. And I have to pretend like I'm already there because if I'm not already there, then I'm not enough where I am and then I'm not going to be enough for the people in my life. Wayne Dyer told a story about he was in, on a safari and he saw the zebra and it had this big chunk missing from its hind like like its butt had been bit off. It was like this huge gaping wound and the, and the mm-hmm. zebra was just sitting there casually eating grass. And and the and, and, and he says to the safari guide, he says, What happened? What is that? And he goes, Oh, a lion got a hold of him yesterday and bit a big chunk right out of him. And 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 Wayne was like, This is so interesting because, you know, if this was us as a human we would be lamenting about it and going around and getting a circle of people and, and being like, oh, my butt's gone, you know, and like the next time we were eating the grass, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, the, the lion pooped right here. This, I'm eating my own butt. Like, this smells like me. I, I, I can't believe we have this, like, this, like, like yeah. cycling of, of this drama when the reality is if we could just be animals on the planet and just go, oh, yeah, this is what happened to me, and this is what I experienced, and this is what I learned. And we just let it be an experience without the story of shame. We would move on from things so quickly. Oh, so, and we would so be able powerful. to then pick up and create our lives again. 
So powerful. And along those lines, I've got a, I've got a question for you, Tony, that um, I'm trying to click on the see more here. So maybe I'll only ask you the first part of the question. Okay, it says, uh, what impact do other people's thoughts have on your shame? Um, and and then he said, my personality and ADHD keeps me very much in the moment. And and then I'm trying to click see more. And of course, my my thing's not letting me see more. So I think we get the gist of it, though. So uh, this is somebody. Oh, there we go. And it allowed me to never really care what others thought of me. So he's actually saying his ADHD has been good. I feel in result, I haven't experienced much shame in my life only because my mind can never slow down enough to worry about it if that makes sense. So what impact do other people's thoughts have in your shame? I, I, I want to answer a little bit of this, Evan, and I think this is what Tony's saying too. It's not actually the impact other people's thoughts have on your shame. It's the impact you think other people's thoughts have on you. So what I mean by this is we hear the saying all the time, and I was on a call this morning, uh, Joshua uh, David said this. He said, you know, we hear all the time the, the, the saying, you know, get out of your head, get out of your head. But the, the reality is, is we don't need to get out of our own heads. We need to get out of other people's heads. Because what we do is we start thinking about what is this other person thinking about me? How does this other person see me? What, am I showing up for this other person? What is, and we get so in other people's business that we can't focus on our own. And I think it was Brene Brown that said, oh my gosh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Brene Brown. And she said, the biggest problem is we, is, well, there's three types of businesses, right? In our lives. There's our business, there's God's business, and there's other people's business. And the only two businesses we should be focused on are our business and God's business. And when we start getting in other people's business, start thinking about what they're thinking and what they're doing and how we can fix them and how we can help them and how whatever it is, is we're getting in their heads and we'll start experiencing shame and guilt and we can't be vulnerable um, because because we aren't sticking to our business and God's business. So uh, do you have any thoughts you would add to that, Tony, about the impact that other people's thoughts have on us? If we allow their thoughts to become our thoughts, if we allow their... I think we're losing you, Tony. Sorry, we lost you there for a second. Can you say start over again? If we let other people's thoughts become our thoughts, then us become our thoughts, then their shame influences influences mm -hmm. us. If we if we let their attempt at shaming us become truth, then then those thoughts really run out of our thoughts. Yeah, and we're lo we're losing and, you a little bit there, Tony. Can you? Uh, did you move or something? Yeah, give me just a second. Step back, step back into the reception area. So I'm excited to hear Tony's thoughts on other people's thoughts in this relationship. And I want to dive even, in, even deeper into this relationship and idea of shame in relationships. Um, a, a further discussion that I want to have with you, Tony, um, is, is regarding sexual shame. Because I really feel like sexual shame is the root of so many of better? our relationship problems. Yes, I can hear you better now. So address that question on how other people's thoughts impact us. And then I want to dive into to sexual shame with you. So how do other people's cool. thoughts impact us? Yeah, like other people are going to shame us. Right? Society is going to shame us. Um, religions are going to shame us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cultures are going to shame us. Uh, political parties are going to shame us. Social media is going to shame us, right? People are going to try to shame us with their agenda and say, you should think like me. And if you don't, 
then you're you're bad. You're not right. You're, you're you know there's something wrong with you. And ultimately, it's not their thoughts that really do the damage. It's us adopting their thoughts and making them our own. Mm. So it's this choice in us of going. I'm going to wow. let that person's shame become my shame. That is so powerful. A, and, and I want to. As a little kid, though, we didn't yeah. have this cognitive ability to go. I'm not going to let my mother's shame or my father's shame or my neighbor's shame or whatever become my shame. We didn't have that ability to to, to step outside of our own story. Mm. And so the shame became this deeply ingrained part of us. And, and you think about like from our tribal instinct as a human being, if we parted ways with our tribe, particularly if women didn't agree with their tribal leaders, you know, 200, 300, 400, 500,000 years ago, it meant death. Wow, yeah. So we, we grew up in these tribes, and that parting ways with the ways of our thoughts of the, of the tribe would, would equal death. Mm-hmm. So it's baked into us that we have to get the approval of those around us, especially when we're little kids. But as an adult, we can step away and go, wait, that shame is a story, and it's not necessarily true. Well, and here, Therefore, can I, can oh, sorry, I make a new story? Yeah, can I make, and I love that, can you make a new story? And and really, shame is a lot about taking on other people's judgments. And I would add to this, adapting other people's ethics, morals, and values. And what I mean by that is sometimes when we take on other people's ethics, morals, or values, or we allow other people to tell us what our ethics, morals, or values should be, then we feel shame when we don't live up to those or if we're out of alignment with those. Huge part of me um, experiencing less shame in my life has been adapting my own ethics, morals, and values. What do I feel good about? And what do I want to do? You know, what are the rules that I have for myself? What are the boundaries I want to set for myself? What do I feel like um, I want to do to contribute to society and what's important? Tony, I want to dive into sexual shame here um, because I have found that for me, sexual shame was a huge part of my life and it's so interesting. I was talking to somebody close with me recently and uh, she was saying to me, she's like, oh, I just, there's this part of me. I just, I'm so sexual. And, and, and she, no, she, she said it this way. She said that the thing that's wrong with me is lust. And I'm so ashamed that I feel so much lust. And I said, well, you know what? I, I'm a very sexual being and I think you are too. And I think that's okay. And it's so interesting because that was the first mindset shift for her of like, she had thought that it was so bad that she was feeling sexual and that there was this lust and she had to deny it and she still felt it. And because she still felt it and that's part of who she was, it was like this core flaw in her and she felt so much shame. And, um, and I just told her my story. I said, you know, I used to think that about myself and then I just embraced the fact that I am a highly sexual being and I love it. And I could see the light bulbs turning on in her mind. So Tony, talk to me a little bit about sexual shame. How does this shame regarding our sexuality and, and how we express our sexuality and where and what and why and with who, how does, that, how does that really impact us? And how can we change our mindset so that we don't experience shame around our sexuality? I think that the key component to this is connectedness to self. And I know we think of sex in terms of often it's, it's, you know, it's interaction with another person, right? This is a, a sexual relationship. I mean, I suppose, you know, someone can have a sexual relationship with themselves. But even in that space, it comes down to, in my opinion, connectedness to self. 
And what that connectedness to self allows us to be really present to is our inner, our inner voice and, and what feels good and what doesn't feel good. What leaves us feeling yucky and disconnected and, and, and regretful versus what leaves us feeling really enriched and, 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 uh, you know, stronger mm-hmm. and healthier and more vitality in us. And so, um, What's interesting is when we act out, when we're not connected to self, then sometimes we use as one mechanism. We use, you know, we can do food or we can overwork and we can use social media. We have all these distractions. We can use drugs, alcohol. But sex is something that we use to try and shift our emotional state. Um, and when we do this from a place of not being connected to ourself, mm-hmm. then we tend to be chasing some kind of fix. Some mm-hmm. kind of emotion, some kind of high. Yeah, well, it, when, it, it can be an avoidance technique, too. It can be an avoidance technique, too. Oh, or an escape. Totally. Oh, my gosh. I have all these breakthroughs. Okay, finish your thought, and then I want to tell you what some of my breakthroughs well, and thoughts are. Okay, well, this is the it. distinction I want to make is that when we act out compulsively, we generally will feel shame. Mm-hmm. Because we get the fix, right? We get the yeah. chemical high. We get the rush. We get the reset of the chemicals in our body. And then after that, there's this letdown. And in the space of the letdown, there's an emptiness because we Mm -hmm. did it from a place of disconnectedness from self. And so when we do that, then we experience shame. And so whether Mm -hmm. this is with ourself or with a partner or with someone else, there's a space of can we learn to be connected to self and that our expression of our sexuality becomes an expression of our connectedness to ourself that we share with this, you know, this other person, whoever we're interacting with, and that we see ourselves and we see them. We're actually interacting with the human. We're not using people to get a fix. We're not using porn or self or whatever, you know, masquerade or whatever that is to get some kind of fix, but we're actually connecting more deeply to ourself. And I think that's mm. the antidote wow. to shame in, in the space of intimacy is, is really learning to be present to yourself in that moment. Well, you know, Tony, you said something, and, and because we're talking about shame and because I'm, I want to get really vulnerable on the show and I want to let people know that it's okay to be vulnerable and, um, and I'm in a space where judge me if you want to judge me or not, uh, you know, I, I feel confident and comfortable with myself. But one of the things that I noticed a huge shame cycle pattern that I got in um, regarding uh, sexuality was when, um, when I was at, towards the end of my marriage, I still was undecided on whether uh, a divorce was the right direction for me or not. And so I went through a couple of different series of uh, periods of separation. And um, my ex-husband during those periods of separation was very much still acting like we were married, but I was very much in the space of feeling like um, I want to date and experience life and and other things, and and he knew about that. But um, one of the things that I noticed was because I felt so horrible about myself and was seeking validation so much that I would go on these dates and or I would, you know, date other people or I would have these sexual experiences. And then I would feel so much shame and guilt regarding it because I experienced just what you experienced. I would like have this exciting experience and I experienced this letdown of like, oh, well, I'm really not connected with this person. It really didn't mean that much. And it was this cycle, this shame cycle that I got in where I would seek validation. I would see you know these um, dates or these affirmations from men or sexual experiences and then I would feel ashamed about it and during this cycle over the course of the couple of years in which I was separated on and off from him 
I got to a place where I was experiencing so much shame and felt so horrible about myself that I woke up one morning and I'll never forget, I was on antidepressants. I'm not clinically depressed at all, but I was so, so situationally depressed. I was on antidepressants and, and my uh, counselor had actually put me on suicide watch the night before. And I thought, how did I get here? And as you were talking, I realized I can trace a lot of that back to the shame I had around these um, you know, experiences. And even though it was something that I, I was in alignment with, you know, dating other people, and I was very open and clear about that, it wasn't for the right reasons. I wasn't connected to myself, and I was seeking these experiences to try and fill this void in me, and it just caused this shame because I feel bad about it. I think the same can be true with pornography. I've talked to several people who were, quote, unquote, addicted to pornography, and um, and one man I recently talked to said, you know, it wasn't, the, wasn't really the pornography that that had him trapped it was the guilt and the shame that he felt and it was this horrible shame cycle and it's like once you feel ashamed about doing something what helps you feel better well you do that thing that helps you feel better and then you feel more ashamed about it and it's it's this cycle that you get stuck in so for tony for those people who are stuck in this shame cycle and especially shame cycle that maybe stems around sexuality what how how do you break that how do you get out of that how do you how do you start connecting with yourself and uh, quit quit trying to go to somebody else or something else to fill that void? What do you do? So to, to part of the process for me that was really helpful, and, and I ran a, a porn addiction recovery program online mm-hmm. um, for a lot of years. It an anonymous program that people could participate in. And, um, so, I, you know, I, we, we dealt with this a lot, but one of the things that I teach is in this process of getting connected to self is, one, Get present to what the real need is, right? Well, what is the when we're when we're trying to get this fixed outside of us? What is the real the real need? Is it a desire to be touched, or is it or is it something else? Like, are we overstressed? Right? Do we need mm. to eat some good food? Do we need to go for a walk? Do we need to get into nature? Do we need to breathe? Are we tired? And we're trying to stimulate ourselves. Do we need to mm. get some rest? Do we need to um, you know find actual intimacy? actual connection with another human being, right? So we, we try to have these sort of like Twinkie experiences where we're stuffing our stomach full of these Twinkies, but it doesn't ever nourish us. Yeah. And so that one is, you got to look at what is the real need you have as a human being that you're trying to get fixed through porn or through, you know, through um, sex that's not connective sex. And then the other part is that this, and this one was really hard for me, was to love myself in the hangover. To love and yourself. What was the second part? To love yourself. In, in the hangover. Ooh, yeah, the after so effect, like, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, the afterwards when I felt like shit and I was shaming myself and I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? And, you know, just like that empty, hollow, unfulfilled after the rush was over or like the, you know, like the literal hangover, you know, if I drank yeah, a whole like, bottle oh, of I'm wine. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? Yeah, all those thoughts going through mm-hmm. your head. That's right. That's right. And loving that part of you. Cause How do you shadow do that? How do us. you do that? How do you do that? If you are literally in this spot, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but, you know, for me, it was so hard. How do you, what's the first step? You're literally thinking you're a piece of crap. How do you, how do you change that around? Do you just decide, okay, I'm just going to start thinking good thoughts about myself? What, 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 how do you even do that? Here was the first step for me. When my son was about two years old, I looked at him 
and he was so cute and cuddly and he was so sweet and my heart was so full witnessing this this sweet little creature and I thought I was such a loser at the time. I mean, I just thought I was dark and wrong. I, was, I bought into the story of shame from a bunch of repressive people outside of me um, that I lear- later learned were just completely hypocritical. They were just absolutely, utterly the most hypocritical people imaginable in the shame that they were casting on me. But I didn't know it at the time, so I bought into it, and I thought I sucked. And so I, I, wa- I saw my son. And and he was so lovable. And, and he didn't do anything to earn this love, like this. It was so, like, innate that who he was was just good and bright and beautiful. And there was this part of me that went deep down. I must have been like that at one point. Mm-hmm. Before I was a sinner and before I was, you know, a failure and before I was letting everybody down and before I made choices that I had shamed myself for. Um and so I had to start to like crack the story that I was unworthy, that there was the, the, the story of me was that I was fundamentally bad and replace it with a story that said, oh, like the closest I could get to was at least at one point in my existence on planet Earth, I was completely lovable. And I could start to embrace that. In fact, I've created a, a, a 21 day audio program that like rewrites people's story take them through a bunch of exercises to rewrite their story. But it was based on that experience that I had all those years ago of, of witnessing his beauty and his light and his worth that had nothing to do with his, with his behavior. So you've got to separate your behavior from your worth. Okay. Well, as it, a human being. But, but here's, okay. So here's something that I heard all my life growing up and, and someone really close to me said this to me again recently and all my life growing up, it seemed to make sense, but for some reason this really did not align with my current state of being when she said it to me. She said, Allison, your worth and your worthiness are not the same thing. She said, I want you to know that your your worth, you're so valuable, you're always going to be valuable, but right now, because of some of your behaviors or actions or whatever, you aren't worthy of certain uh, blessings and certain things in your life. And to me, that rang so untrue how can you separate the two how can you how can anybody decide that one person is worthy of love or blessings or certain you know things um and one person's not could you address that a little bit because i think this this can be a common thing i think a lot of the times maybe we innately know we are worth you know we're so valuable we feel like we're sons and daughters of god or we feel like we're you know this uh, amazing being and and we tell ourselves and we know on paper logically like we're just this valuable person but i think sometimes we feel like we aren't worthy of certain things maybe we aren't worthy of that relationship of love maybe we aren't worthy of uh, you know making a certain amount of money maybe we aren't worthy of of getting a certain achievement or being with a certain group of people or you know whatever that is what what are your thoughts on that tony i think that that is a shame-based message Mm -hmm. the way she said that is rooted in shame and that is the shame that kills relationships and intimacy that is the shame that causes us to live a facade-based life that is the shame that, that causes us to sabotage this idea that we're fundamentally unworthy. Um, now, are there certain actions that lead to results in life and that if we want certain results, we should do the actions? Yes. Like, like if you want to have connectedness in your relationship, you have got to learn how to become vulnerable and 
and open up, and you've got to learn how to hold space and make the other person's vulnerability safe if you want to have connectedness. That's the essence of intimacy is being able to be vulnerable. So if someone, but the, that's totally, that's a skill. We're talking about skills. We're not talking about worthiness. Like I think the worthiness conversation is super destructive because at the end of the day, everybody that plays the worthiness conversation judges themselves as unworthy. Hmm. Nobody yeah. can live up to it. There's no one, not even the, 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 the leaders that are up there in the front going, be worthy, be worthy, be worthy. They're, they're punishing the crap out of themselves too. They're coming from a place of going, I'm fundamentally not worthy because I, ju- I just can't get my shit together enough to be worthy. And so that conversation, I think, is totally rooted in shame. Well, and sometimes and, I, you know, I hear I'm having this conversation. I'm just going to be very vulnerable. Some of the, the emotions that are coming up right now, this emotion of anger. I'm angry. I'm angry not only that this is a false belief that I believed for and was told for many years, but that I actually believed and bought into it so much. This is something I told my children. This is something that I taught the people around me. So I'm going to practice what we're preaching here. I regret doing that, but I'm not going to hold shame for it. And I'm going to change. I'm going to change it moving forward. And I think this is this is a huge component too when it comes to shame. And and I think that that just being raw is. I was angry with myself for years, and um, during the some of the healing processes that I've done over the past few months, I've had to really forgive myself for the anger and contempt that I held against myself for not being perfect, for feeling ashamed, for feeling like I made decisions that um, I didn't like or doing things that weren't perfect or whatever it was. And I think so often we have, as as people, we have so much compassion for those around us. And, um, and, And maybe we hold a little bit of judgment sometimes and maybe this or that or whatever, but we hold so much more towards ourselves. And we, yeah. we, we don't have compassion for ourselves and we judge ourselves and we get angry. I can't believe I did that. And we beat ourselves up and, oh, why did I do that? Why can't I be better? Why did I think that thought? Why did I feel that emotion? Why did I say that thing? Oh, I'm such a bad person. I can't believe that, that I'm, I'm doing this. I can't believe that I did that. And what happens when we do that is that perpetuates the shame. I recently watched that movie, Once, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Have you seen that, Tony? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, really yeah. interesting. There's a scene. And, and of course, it's a fictional movie, but I think this portrayed perfectly what a lot of us do. There's a scene where this man who's an actor, he goes out and he's acting and he forgets some of his lines and he doesn't do a good job. And he goes back in his trailer and he just starts throwing things. He looks at himself in the mirror and he punches the mirror and he's like, you're a piece of crap. You're a piece of shit. I can't believe you did this. You're so much better than this. I hate you. I'm going to kill you if you don't go out there and do better. And and this is how he's motivating himself. This is how how he's shaming himself in order to do better. And guess what? He goes out and he kills it on the next lines. But I just thought, wow, what a what a horrible way to motivate yourself. And then I had this moment where I thought, wow, I do that to myself all the time. I do that to myself yeah. all the time. I don't, I instead of showing compassion and forgiveness and understanding of myself, I beat myself up. You're a piece of crap. I can't believe you did that. It, you know? And here's the problem, Allison. If we let shame be the motivator, it sets a time bomb that will eventually go off. We might do really well. We might get motivated for a little while, but eventually, because ultimately what we believe about ourselves is that we're unworthy and that we suck, that will eventually come forward. And then Mm -hmm. we'll go, yep, I knew it. I knew I couldn't hold it together. I knew I couldn't do it. 
And that's why it's so important. Like, to have a skill conversation and go, if you want to make more money, it's a skill conversation. I coach people on that all the time. It's about skills. You can learn how to make more money through skills. You can learn how to have greater intimacy through skill. You can learn how to improve your physical body through skills. And, but, yet, but when you approach it from a standpoint of a new story, like I had to change my story. Instead of going, I'm unworthy, I, I, I never live up to this stuff, I've had a bunch of failures, I had to go, I'm a one-of-a-kind creation of this universe, and I'll only be here this one time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to celebrate that. Wow. And, and I'm going to learn from these mistakes. I had to rewrite that story, and then, you know, there's like different tools that you can use to, to really ingrain that in into people, um, you know, into your own mind until it becomes your true belief. But I think it has right. to come from loving, your, loving that shadow side of yourself. And what happens for me when I started loving my shadow side, instead of running, for, like I would have cravings to act out, to, to, to drink or to, mm-hmm. or to, you know, for, for sex or for porn or for food or what have these like crazy cravings. And I would run from the cravings and I hated the cravings. And I, would, I would try to like stifle them, suppress them. And then I would act out compulsively and then feel like crap. It was a terrible, vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. When I started loving myself in the hangover, I could actually listen to the cravings. And instead of making them wrong, I could have it be like the check engine light in my car. Like if, my, if, if, if the temperature gauge in my car gets up to the red line, I don't make my car wrong. I slow down and I go, whoa, 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 something's overheating here. What's going on? And cravings are the same way. It's, it's your brain signal going, hey, things are so out of control. If you don't get things back in order, we're going to make your, your frontal cortex go quiet and you're going to act out like a dog right. and reset the chemicals. Well, and it's it's the cravings for not only sexual things, for but for love or for food or for comfort mm-hmm. or for whatever it is. So, uh, such such a great show, Tony. We've got about one minute till close. We're going to have to wrap things up here. I mean, gosh, maybe we could do part three on shame. <laughs> such a good, great conversation. But I, I want for people who want to continue this conversation on shame. There's Two, two invitations I have for you. Number one, uh, Tony's going to be joining us in Salt Lake. We're going to be doing a special event called Legendary. That's November 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Um, this is a great breakthrough event, so you quit having those breakdowns. Tony did a really powerful process during our last one uh, where he talked about shame, so I would invite you to come out to that. If you're interested in that, just please reach out to me personally, a messenger, or text me. Um, I would absolutely love to have you there it's it's a powerful event that can absolutely change people's perspective on shames and can help them step into that greater version of themselves um tony 10 seconds can you let people know what what is your personal contact information in case anybody wants to continue yeah, conversation on, with you message me on facebook tony litster l-i-t-s-t-e-r tony litster on facebook yeah Tony Litster. And for those of you on Facebook Live, of course, Tony's tagged in the post. Thank you so much for joining us. If there's one takeaway, one final thing that I would leave with everybody, it's that, uh, you know, just just to love yourself. Let go of the shame. Love yourself. Whatever it takes to do that. Follow your intuition, whether it's coming to this event we talked about, whether it's reaching out to Tony in person or implementing any of the things we've talked about today. Um, I love you. And uh, just just know that, that uh, I'm here for you. And reach out to me anytime. I'm Allison H. Larson. You've been listening to Spotlight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. 
Spotlight, The Allison H. Larson Show can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show. 